Today we are wrapping up the Ultimate Fighter series, and next week we're beginning a series called God Is, and it's going to be an exciting Memorial Day weekend, as next week's sermon title is God Is Protector. How many of you are grateful that we serve a God that can protect us? Amen. And so you don't want to miss next week as we launch everything live, and also God Is Protector. Today, as we wrap up the Ultimate Fighter series, I want to talk to you about the young fighter, the young fighter. What I want to accomplish today is uh, there's no doubt that this message is going to be applicable uh, to everyone today in the place. But I I want to target and as I uh, as I was preparing this message, I I was very mindful of uh, the young folks, uh, teenagers, some in their early 20s uh, that worship here, college students. And what, what I, here, here, if I had a second title to this message, this would be my, my second title would be this. Things I wish somebody would have told me when I was 15 years old. So that's title number two. When I was 15 years old, here are some things I'm going to share today, some biblical insights and principles that I wish somebody would have shared these things with me when I was 15 years old. You can follow along with me in your bulletin and fill in the blanks. Point number one is this. The first thing I wish somebody would have told me and drilled down with me on is this. Live a life of purity. Live a life of purity. I wish somebody would have said, Herbert, Herbert, listen, you see the path you're about to go down. You see the decisions you're about to make. Listen, Herbert, listen to me. Live a life of purity. I wish somebody would have told me that living an impure life never pays off. Never does. No matter how good it may feel, no matter if everybody is doing it, living an impure life never pays off in the long run. I've been very candid with you about mistakes that I made when I was growing up, and I have regrets from my high school years of decisions and mistakes that I made. And I wish somebody would have pulled me aside when I was making some goofy decisions and would have told me, Herbert, this won't pay off. Herbert, there'll be consequences. Herbert, you'll pay a price. Herbert, there will be hurt and pain behind these decisions. As, as I was studying this week, I, I, I talked with, with my wife, and we began to think about and, and process some of our friends. And there are some friends that we went to college with that, that when they were in college, they were living a wild life. They were sowing their wild oats. And at the time, they looked popular. They, they looked cool. They, they, they were well-liked. And they graduated from college and continued to live that same lifestyle. And we look at some of our friends today, and they have literally shipwrecked their life because they, are, they, they lived an immoral and an impure life. And I want to tell you, listen, every young person in this place today, please hear me today. If nobody's ever told you this, it never pays in the long run to live an impure life. And the question is this, how can a young fighter, how can a young man live a pure life in an unholy world? That's the million-dollar question of the day. And I want to address that with you for the next few moments. Point number one, just a sub point under, under living a life of purity. Write this down. Number one is this run away. Everybody shout, run away. Oh, come on. They shout it better than nine o'clock experience. Everybody shout, run away. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Run away from sin. Run away from sin. 
the scripture clearly teaches us that the way that you deal with temptation, the way that you deal with sin is to run away from it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 22, it says, flee, run away from the evil desires of youth. I wish somebody would have told me that when I was a teenager, when I was 15, Herbert, Herbert, there's some desires that you have. There, there's some things that you want to do. There's some things that some of your classmates are doing. Herbert, Herbert, flee the evil desires of youth. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 18, echoes the same words. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Don't entertain it. Don't play around with it. With it. Don't think about it. Flee from it. Run away from sin. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9. I, I like how the word of God says it in the message Bible. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. I like that. Come on, some of you seasoned folks, you know that's the truth. Run for dear life from evil. When I was, I think I was a senior in high school, there was a revival in our city. At, we woke a First Baptist Church, and Ken Freeman was the speaker at this revival. And I'll never forget, I was 17, 18 years old. I'll never forget what Ken said that night in that revival. He said, sin takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. There's a high price to sin. There's a high price to living wild. Live a pure life because there are major consequences to him. Herbert, everybody's doing it. I'm telling you, there's a high price to pay to live an impure life. Run away. There's a second thing that I want you to notice. Herbert, how can a young man live pure? Number two is this run to. Everybody shout run to. Come on, shout it one more time. Run to. This is talking about run to God. Run to God. It is not good enough just to run from sin. The young fighter must not just run from sin. He must run to God. Run from sin, run to God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. I, I read this to you just a few moments ago. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, flee the evil desires of youth. Run away from sin and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of, a, out of a pure heart. It says run away from sin and run to God. And what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to look at a very, for some of you, a familiar portion of Scripture. For some of you, this will be a brand new portion of Scripture but it clearly addresses the, the issue of how to run to God. Run away from sin and run to God. Psalms chapter 119, picking up in verse number 9. Here's what the Word of God says. How can a young man keep his way pure? Let me just, a side note here. It's possible to live a pure life. It's possible to be a junior high student and to live a pure life. 
It's possible to be a high school student. It's possible to be a college student and to live a pure life. It's possible to be in your early 20s and live a pure life. How can a young man keep his way pure? It is possible. And the psalmist tells us how. Notice the first nugget. He says, by living according to your word. Live according to the word of God. In other words, he says, if you want to live a pure life, obey the word, not the world. Obey the word, not the world. The world is telling you one thing. The world is saying live this way. But listen, the word of God gives us clear instructions on how to live. If you want to live a pure life, live according to the word, not the world. Notice the next nugget in verse 10. He says, I seek you with all my heart. The psalmist says, you want to live a pure life? Run hard after God. Chase hard after God. Pursue God with everything that's within you, all of your heart. As a deer pants for the water, you pursue God with everything that's within you. Run away from sin. Run to God. He goes on to say the next nugget. Do not let me stray from your commands. In other words, don't let me go down a path and stray and run down a path That's only going to harm me. Listen, 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 listen. You will make mistakes. You will mess up. But here's the issue. Young person, when you mess up, when you make a mistake, here's what many people do is they make a mistake and they wallow in it. And when they make a mistake and instead of instead of turning to God, they go a little bit more and a little bit more. And they stray a little bit more and they stray a little bit more and their heart gets harder and they stray a little bit more. And the next thing you know, they have went so far down a path. It's going to be destructive to their life. And the psalmist says, don't let me stray. In other words, when you mess up, listen, quickly repent. The word repent means turn back. Don't go down a path. Don't stray down a path. When you mess up, when you fail, you repent and you turn to God quickly. Everybody shout quickly. Turn to God quickly. Lord, don't let me stray from your commands. Verse 11, notice notice the next nugget. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You got to get God's word in your heart. You got to be a person of the word, the Bible. You got to spend time in the word. You got to read the word. You got to hide it in your heart. You see, the world is pumping your mind through television, through radio, through billboards, pumping your mind full of junk. And the way that you offset that is by filling your mind and your heart with the word of God. Verse 12 says, the next nugget, praise be to you. In other words, you need to be a worshiper. You need to worship God. Praise be to you. Oh, Lord, notice the next nugget. Teach me your decrees. You need to be a student of the word. Become a student of God's Word. Parents, can I encourage you to teach your kids the word of God? Let them just like you want them to excel in education and excel and make good grades at school. Teach them to excel in the word of God, to be a student of the word of God. Don't just drop them off at church once a week and they spend an hour with us. Listen, some of you messing up your kids all week long and want us to fix it when they get to church. Amen. We can't fix all the stuff you're doing. My Lord, the Lord's going to have a hard time fixing your child. Amen. All the stuff. You teach, come on, come on, teach your kid the word, invest the word in them, teach them the scriptures, get get them in the Bible. Listen, he says, you, you want to live holy, you want to live pure, you want your child to live for the word of God, live, live for the Lord, teach me your decrees. Be a student of the word. Notice verse 13, the next nugget, with my lips, recount all the laws that come from your mouth. 
the word of God needs to be on your mouth. You need to be speaking the word of God. When you get in the middle of a situation, you need to know what the word of God says. You need to be speaking the word of God on your, it needs to be on your lips, on your mouth. That's what the psalmist says. You want to live a holy life? You need the word of God on your mouth. Notice verse 14. This is probably my favorite nugget in this portion of scripture. It says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Parents, do you rejoice as much over the word of God as you do when you get a big raise? See, see, the psalmist says, listen, you want to live holy? You need to be excited about the word of God. You need to rejoice about following God's statutes. In, in other words, following God's word shouldn't be a drudgery. It shouldn't be a burden. Just like when somebody wins a million dollars or $10 million and they're excited. Yes, I won some money. You need to be that excited about the word of God and following his word. You say, Herbert, what would make me that excited about rejoicing and following God's statutes? Because you know, when you follow the Lord and honor him, he will bless you. You can never go wrong following the Lord. He will bless you. The Bible says that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I'm excited to follow God's word because his favor is going to be upon me. He's going to bless me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to order my steps. So so I'm excited. I I rejoice. I I know everybody else in school is going the wrong way. I know everybody else in the family is doing their own thing, but I rejoice that I get to follow God. Notice what he says in verse 15, the next nugget. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. In other words, I sit around at night and I think about the word. I think about living for you, Lord. Come on, some of you young men, the best analogy I could give you, you know how you, at home sometimes, you sit around and you think about that girl you like at school. Huh? You say, ooh, I know she likes me. She gave me the goo-goo eyes today. We were standing next to the locker. Ooh, she touched elbows with me. Ooh, I know she likes me. I know. And you sit around thinking about that all at night. Come on, meditate on the word. Think about God. Think about how you can live for him, how you can make an impact for him. The psalmist says, listen, listen, you want to live for God. You want to live a pure life. Meditate on the word of God. And this is the most important nugget. Verse 16 says this. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect. Everybody say neglect. I will not neglect your word. You want to live pure? You need to be consistent in the word of God. Here's what happens to so many of us, young person and even a seasoned adults is we'll get hot and we get cold. Because, see, we'll get in the Word for a month, and then we'll slack off for two. And we're up and down and up. We'll pray and pray and seek God for a month or two or three, and then we'll, then we'll lose our consistency, and, and now we go down in the valley. And, and, listen, we need to be consistent. And the way that we're consistent, the way that we live pure, is that we don't neglect the Word of God. It's a priority in our daily life. The psalmist says, don't just run away from sin, but you need to run to God. I close this point with second Peter chapter one and verse three. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. If you're struggling with sin today, it's wearing you out and you're a follower of Christ. There's hope. Here's what I want you to know. God through his divine power When you gave your heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And through his divine power, he has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. You can live a pure life. You can overcome temptation. God has given you everything you need. Here's the issue is you got to tap into it. 
It's available to you. You have to tap in to it. A young man, a young, a young fighter can live a pure life for the Lord. There's a second thing that I wish somebody would have told me when I was 15. Number two is this. Do great things for God. I wish somebody would have said, listen, young man, you can do great things for God right now. Hey, young ultimate fighters, God wants to do great things through your life. Not when you're 30 or 40 or 50. He wants to do great things through your life right now in junior high. Right now in high school, God wants to use your life. Here's what the scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Hey, Timothy, as Paul was writing this letter to him, hey, Timothy, I realize you're young and and you're influential and and you're preaching the word and you're impacting lots of lives. and, And I realize people are pushing against you and they're complaining about your age. But listen, Timothy, listen, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I say to every young person in this place, don't let people look down on you and don't let your youth stop you from being used mightily by God. And friends, not letting anyone look down on you doesn't mean that you go around demanding respect with your words. It means that you command respect with your life. You don't go around and say, well, listen, you don't look down on me. You better respect me. I know. I'm... No, 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 no. You don't, you, don't, you don't demand respect with your words. You command respect with your life. And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, command respect with your life. Listen, young ultimate fighters, he says, set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. In other words, be an ultimate fighter worthy of following. And I encourage you, do great things for God right now. Be a leader. Be a trend setter. Be a trailblazer. Be an influencer. Be a mover and a shaker. Listen, God has called you to do great things right now. Say, well, Herbert, I'm too young. Herbert, I'm too inexperienced. And I would say this to you. No, you're not. God has a long track record of using young people in a great way. I think about Joseph, who was 17 years old when he had a dream from God. And Joseph was a young man when he saved Israel from famine and he became second in charge of the entire nation of Egypt by the age of 30 years Oh, he was a young man and God mightily used his life. I think about David. He was a teenager who was working for his daddy in the sheep pen. And he was a teenager when God sent Samuel the prophet to anoint him to be king. He said, listen, I picked this teenage boy. He's going to be the next king. And David was a young man. He was a young man when he defeated Goliath in front of the entire Israelite army. God has a track record of using young people. I think about Solomon. He was a young man when he became king. And matter of fact, he told God, when God said, whatever, what what do you want? I'll give you anything that you want. He says, hey, I'm young, I'm inexperienced, and I need wisdom. I I mean, I don't know how to rule these people. I'm too young. And, And he became the wisest man that has ever walked planet Earth. And he was a young man. I think about Josiah. He became king when he was only eight years old. How about that? How would you like our next president to be an eight-year-old young boy? Hey, that messed some of y'all up, wouldn't it? Amen. He was eight years old. And Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1 and 2 says, he was a good king at eight years old. 
By the time he was 20 years old, he instituted religious reform throughout Judah. When he turned 26, he restored the temple in, in, in order. He was a young man that was used powerfully by God. Young ladies, I think about Mary. She was a teenage virgin. And she gave birth and raised the Savior of the world. Most of us, if we were to try to help God out to pick the right person, would have said, God, don't pick that little teenage girl. Find you a woman with some experience. That little girl don't even know how to change a diaper yet. How's she going to raise Jesus? Get you, get, you a, get, you a, get you a big mama, huh? A grandmama, huh? Don't be picking no little young teenage virgin. And, and God entrusted the Savior of the world to an inexperienced teenage virgin. God has a track record of using young people in a great way. I, I, I think about Jeremiah, who was a young prophet for God. The word prophet, he simply spoke the word of the Lord. He spoke the oracles of God, and God used him in a mighty way. And the word of God says about Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4 through 8, it says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah, before you were born, young person, before you were born, I set you apart. I planned on using your life in a great way. I appointed you as prophet to the nations all sovereign lord jeremiah said I, I i do not know how to speak i am only a child i'm too young for you to use me i'm too inexperienced for you to use me but the lord said to me do not do not say i'm only a child don't use it as an excuse don't disqualify yourself because of your age you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. And let me tell you, Jeremiah, why you can, why I can use you as a little, as a child. He says, let me tell you why. For I am with you. Can I tell you, that's what matters. No matter how old you are, how young you are, what really matters is God with you. And God, I'm with you, Jeremiah, and will rescue you, declares the Lord. I'll rescue you, Jeremiah. I already realize you're a young man and you're going to make some mistakes, but I'll rescue you. Jeremiah, I already know you're inexperienced and you're going to get yourself in situations that you don't know what to do, but I'll help you, Jeremiah. I will rescue you. I'm with you. Here's what I would tell every young person in this place. Three things as I wrap up this point and go to our last point. Here's three things I would tell you. It's dream big dreams. Get a big dream from God. Dream an incredible dream. I mean, get a God-inspired dream, a, a dream that's way bigger than you. Dream a big dream while you're young. I, I, I got a dream for People's Church when I was 25 years old. I had a dream from God to start a church. I never had pastored a church before. I've never been on a church staff before. I, I didn't know what it was like to work in a church. Didn't grow up in the pastor's home. Had no experience. But I had a dream from God. And some of you are trying to calculate how old I am now. I'm, I'm 33. I'll, I'll be 34 next month. I'm the age when Jesus died on the cross. Oh, Lord, let me live. Amen, Lord. Let me live. Let me. Get a dream. Get a dream. Get a dream from God. God has a track record of using young people in a great way. There's a second thing that I would tell you. Number two is this, work hard. Work hard. 
Come on, there's too many lazy people today. Amen. Come on, don't don't get a get a real dream from God. I'm not talking about a daydream. I'm a dream from God. Come on, there are too many people that are talking about I got a dream from God and they go home every day and play play on the Wii. You ain't gonna do nothing for the Lord. It takes hard work. Hard work. Get your hands dirty. Work hard for the Lord. Get a dream and pursue it and work hard. It takes, man, you're in high school, work hard on your grades. You're in college, work hard in school. You get a job. Come on, don't come out of college like somebody come out of college talking about they better pay me six figures a year. I got my education. Don't nobody care. Amen. Work. Work hard. Pay the price. It takes hard work to rise up and let the Lord use you in a great way. It takes hard work. People sometimes tell me, ooh, I'd love to pass a church like you. No, you wouldn't. You just think you would. No, you wouldn't. It takes hard work. There's a third thing that I will tell you. Dream big, work hard, honor God. Honor God. Advance God's kingdom. No matter what field you go into, a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a waitress, a plumber, an electrician, no matter what you do, honor God. Say, God, I'm doing this to advance your kingdom. I want to do big things for you wherever you plant me. I want to do big things for your honor and for your glory. Lord, when the business starts, I want to use it to advance your kingdom. I want to employ people that's going to advance your kingdom. Lord, Lord, when I'm at my job and I'm waiting tables, Lord, use me to give me greater influence to it. I am doing this to advance your kingdom dream big work hard honor god i close with point number three point number three there's a third thing that i wish somebody would have told me when i was 15 i've already shared a lot with you i wish i would have known all that when i was 15 but here's the third thing i wish i would have known when i was 15 number three is this build strong relationships with other men build strong relationships with other men proverbs 27 and verse 17 says as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another you will never be all god wants you to be by yourself you will never be as sharp as you could be and should be by yourself and for us men we oftentimes like to be isolated. Nobody can get into our world. Nobody can really know what's going on in our heart and in our mind. Nobody can really hold us accountable. Listen, you need some men that can hold you accountable and speak into your life. Listen, even Long Ranger had Tonto. I don't know why we call him the Long Ranger. He wasn't a Long Ranger. And some of you try, listen, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. I wish somebody would have told me when I was 15, Herbert, to, to be who God wants you to be. You're going to need some other men around you. You're going to need some people speaking into your life. You're going to need some people that can help you. There, there are three types of people that you need in your life. This is for ladies, men. This is for everybody in this place. Three types of people you need in your life, specifically young fighters. Hear me today. Number one is this. You need an encourager. You need an encourager. Acts chapter 9, verse 23 through 27 says this. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him, talking about Saul, who was later, his name was changed to Paul. You see, Saul had given his heart to the Lord. He, he, he was a follower of Christ, but before that, he was a killer of Christians. And so the Jews wanted to kill him. The Bible says, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. Just envision it. Somebody wants to kill you. A group of people wants to kill you. That's what Saul was going through. Verse 25, but his followers took him by night and lured him in a basket through an opening in the wall. 
when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. In other words, he got to Jerusalem and he wanted to be part of the Christians. He wanted to get a part of the church. He, he wanted to hang out with other Christ followers. But they were all afraid of him. I mean, that's that guy who was a killer of Christians. The scripture says not believing that he really was a disciple. So the Jews wanted to kill him. The church wouldn't accept him. But verse 27 says, but Barnabas. And the word Barnabas, it literally means encourager. Encourager. But Barnabas took him and brought him into the apostles, helping him launch his ministry, bringing him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had, sp- had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you something about Saul? He had somebody to believe in him when nobody else would. And Barnabas, an encourager, when people wanted to kill him, when people shunned him, when people didn't want to hang out with him, there was a Barnabas that believed in him. And young men, can I tell you, you need somebody that can believe in you when nobody else will. You need somebody that can encourage you during times of trouble. You need somebody that when you fail, they look past the mistake and say, God still wants to use you. Who's the encourager in your life? Are you close enough to somebody that they can speak into your life? Everybody needs a Barnabas. There's a second person that we all need, and that's you need a mentor. You need a mentor. Let me read a quick story to you about Elijah and Elisha. Elisha found a mentor in Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 through 21 says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He pursued Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out. He set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Here's what I want you to know. Is Elisha pursued a mentor? Every man, every woman in this place, our young fighters, you need to be pursuing a mentor. One of the things that I'm very grateful for and has de- that has tremendously helped and shaped my life are mentors. People that were further along the road in the area of my life and can speak into my life. We all need mentors. Who are you pursuing? Who's your mentor? You need to have a spiritual mentor. You need to have a career mentor. You need to have a financial mentor. You're single in this place and you're looking to get married. You need to have a dating mentor. You get married, you need to have a marriage mentor. You need to have a parenting mentor. And let me tell you, some of my greatest mentors, some of them are local. They speak into my life regularly. But some of my greatest mentors, I'll never meet. I call them distant mentors. I read their blogs. I read their books. They shape me. They develop me. They speak into my life. Who's speaking into your life? Everybody needs a mentor. I wish somebody would have told me that at 15. There's a third thing, a third person you need in your life, and I'm wrapping up. Number three is this. You need a mentoree. Mentoree. Now, spell check told me that wasn't a word, but I didn't care. Amen. I even asked my wife, is that a word? 
I didn't really care what she told me either. Amen. This is my sermon. I preach it how I want. Amen. It's the word today. Mentoree. <laughs> now don't go tell nobody at work I made that up there. All right. So you need a mentoree. You need somebody that you're investing in. I close with this last scripture. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 16 and 17. Paul tells the church at Corinth. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Follow after me. Follow my example. He said, because I want you to follow my example, because I want you to imitate me, verse 17. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love. Timothy was not a biological son. He was a spiritual son. Paul found the mentoree that he could invest in. He found a young man that he could pour his life into. The scripture says he is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul says, hey, Corinthians, follow after me, imitate me. And I can't come myself and show you how to live. But you know what? I'm going to send my son to you. And you're going to learn everything that I would teach you because I've invested in him. I poured my life into him. He's my son in the faith and I've mentored him. Can I ask you, some of our seasoned followers of Christ, who are you investing in? Come on, you've been following the Lord for years through ups and downs. What young man, what young woman have you taken under your wings and you're depositing in your life? You used to be overwhelmed in debt and God has given you financial freedom. Who are you taking under your wing investing in their life? Well, what, what young man, what young lady are you taking, young, mom, uh, seasoned person in this place, and you're taking under your wing and saying, let me tell you how to be a mom. Let me tell you how to be a wife. Let, let, me, let me tell you how to be a dad. Let me tell you how to be a husband. Who are you investing in? We all need to have an encourager. We all need a mentor. And we all need a mentoree. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. You can't be all God wants you to be by yourself. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word and your presence. Thanks for your anointing. Thanks for these nuggets that we could share from your words. So much from my life experience.